There's a song that says, without the cross, there's only condemnation. If Jesus wasn't crucified, then there's no celebration. It's so true. Without the cross of Christ, there is only condemnation. And if Jesus wasn't crucified, then there really is no celebration. (laughs) It's a celebration when we come into church. Because he's not just the man upon the cross. Because if we don't see ourselves crucified with him, then we're not seeing clearly. Because we've been crucified with him. When we look at that cross, we should see ourselves there. That old man is dead. And the innocence that belonged to Jesus was then transferred to us. And now, behold, all things have become new, and we're new creatures in Christ. So the life that we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God. The Son of God that was deposited inside of me, the name that was given me that's above every name, that I'm no longer a victim to circumstance. Now I'm more than a conqueror through Christ because the strength that was in Christ to endure the cross is now inside me to release this gospel and inside you to release the gospel. It's the living water that's inside of us that we have the opportunity to literally go to desert lands and see them flourish. The person that you're ministering to, you never know their potential when you first meet them, and you won't. Sixteen years ago, when I met Mark, I was just another person that needed Jesus. Mark had Jesus, and Mark gave what he had to me. I was dead. I was a dead man. I was living in sin. I had no revelation of God. But Mark had a revelation of God. If it wasn't through the leading of the Holy Spirit, and the connection points that God brought us to, to where we could even meet each other, I would be another man, either dead already, or in prison, or right now in the agony of eternal separation from God. You never know, because 16 years later, I'm a minister of the gospel. He's one of my best friends, as well as my pastor. I love his wife, she's amazing. They, They both are amazing. But it's the reality of the seed that we carry when we deposit it in somebody else that they could be the next great evangelist that's going to turn all of Europe upside down or all of America or take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We never know. And there's no pressure in sharing the gospel. When you feel that pressure that I have to do this, it's performance mentality And you probably should just keep it to yourself at that point because it's not done in love. And even though you give your body to be burned and surrender everything you have to give to the poor, if you don't have love, if it's not based out of a love for God and a love for that person, then just spend some more time with the Lord until that love develops into a passion. And it's out of that place of passion that you tell other people about this relationship that you have with the Father. It's so true because God loves us. We were created to be loved. Like my children, they were created to be loved. We had them because we wanted to have something that came from us that we could express the love in us to somebody else. That's why we were created. We were created by God to love, not to serve Him. Do I serve God? Yeah, I do. Why? Because I fear him? No. Because I love him. If I ask the girls to do something, (laughs) 
they get a little fleshy sometimes. <laughs> no, but the reality is if I ask them to do something, they do it for me. The majority of the time it's without threatening. <laughs> no, without threatening. If I ask Mercy, hey, will you do this for me? Especially if it's going to help me. She'll do it. Sometimes I'll be doing something, she'll just come and, and want to help me do it so I can get it done faster without even asking her. Is she serving me in that minute? Yeah. Is she my daughter? Yeah, she is. Why is she here? Did she ask to be? No. She was born to love. It's the same thing with us. We're born to love. And that's why the scripture would say in 1 John, how great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God. How great is this love? Because we were created to love <laughs> and to be loved. That's why people who don't know Jesus, there's a void inside because they're always trying to find that love through somebody else. But once the love of God solidifies in your heart, you won't be drawing on other people to meet your emotional needs because the one that created you is the only one that can fulfill it. And once that place in us is fulfilled, we become expressions of a deeper love than this world has seen. We become a manifestation of God because God is love. Amen. You guys can turn to Isaiah 54. It's the little things in life that really I find great pleasure in. And this morning I asked Heather if this word was a word and she told me no. And guess what? It was a word. <laughs> and I take great pleasure in this because for most of my adult married life, she has spent either correcting me on stuff that isn't a word or in how to spell words. She has been one of the greatest blessings in my life. She really has. <laughs> and it felt good to be right for once. <laughs> As Val is to Mark, Heather is to me. Uh, when Byron was here and he said, you know, he, he honors these two women because they're both, you guys, man, you guys are just, oh. You deserve such honor, and neither one of you would want it. It's the beauty. That's why God would want to give it to you. That's why he would give you husbands that would honor you. That's why he thinks you're honorable. <laughs> I know we wouldn't be where we are without you guys. The scripture says whoever finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor of the Lord. And you guys have been favor from the Lord. I know I speak for Mark too in our lives. We celebrate you. God is good. So Isaiah 54. Thank you, Jesus. He is good. I've been excited to preach this. I have. I think we're going to go through the whole chapter. So let's start in verse 1. He says, Sing, O barren one, who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. I looked up the word cry aloud. It means to sound clearly. Because when you read it, sometimes you're thinking you're crying out because you never bore anything. Because you're barren. You're crying aloud. No, he says to shout for joy and cry aloud, sound clearly. And then listen to what he says. You who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. 
That word desolate, if you look it up in a concordance, it means without husband, unmarried, without covenant. In this first opening scriptures, he tells us to single barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and make it clear, you who have not been in labor for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Do you know who this is referring to? It is referring to the Gentiles spread throughout the nations that God is going to make a covenant with. It is referring to us. Is Israel outside of this promise? No. No, they're not outside of this promise. It is referring to us right now. See, Israel had a covenant because of Abraham. They had a covenant with God because of Abraham. We had no covenant with God. We were without husband. And he's foretelling of the church. He's foretelling of us. He says that our children will be more than her who is married. He says, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations. Israel wasn't allowed to go into other nations. They were considered unclean if they went and ate with the Gentile. This is telling about our time right now. It's speaking to us. This is a present prophecy, not only that prophesied our future, but it prophesies into our future. Where God is telling us, Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Go as big as you can. As far as you can stretch, stretch out. Don't hold back. Lengthen the cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. What it was like when you weren't married. What it was like when you were divorced from your maker. He said, you'll forget the shame of this. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. It said, the Lord is your husband. The children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married. I want you to understand this is not a message that is anti-Israel. We stand with Israel. We love Israel. Without Israel, there would be no us. But Israel had a covenant with God that was based in Abraham. So me and Heather got married, right? We had kids. Our kids are beneficiaries of our covenant. But experientially, they can experience it. They can point back to it and say, these are the benefits because my mom and dad got married. But they can't experience it. But there was going to come a time 
where each person in the family would have their own covenant written in God's own blood. When God made covenant with Abraham, the scripture says that God told Abraham to go get these certain animals. Abraham went and got them, cut them in two. And the scripture says that God caused a deep sleep or darkness to come upon. And God came and walked between the pieces and consumed them. Well, during a covenant, don't you think that the person that you're making covenant with at least needs to stay awake? <laughs> God didn't need Abraham. Because the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 6 that God swore by his own self, seeing there was none greater. God made a covenant with Abraham, but Abraham didn't say anything when God was passing through those pieces. He was sleeping. He was sleeping. We have a covenant, the scripture says, that is based upon better promises. What does your life look like right now? Because you have a covenant of better promises. Better promises than where you are. See, the promises are meant to take us into our future. They're meant to propel us forward. They're not meant to remind us of our desolation. Because he said, you'll forget the shame of your youth. You'll remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. What it was like to be without God. See, I'm never without God anymore. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You were made to be loved. And in Christ, we have access to the love of God. That's why the scripture would say in Ephesians to know the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of his love, which surpasses understanding that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. The love of God will pass your mental understanding because you won't be able to grasp how in the world could you love me? Because at times I feel unlovable. How could you love me? At times I feel like dirt. You say, well, Steve, you preach the gospel, man. God has to be pleased with you. If God was pleased with me because of my works or my preaching, <laughs> I would have never started preaching. <laughs> Because I wasn't a good speaker. God's pleased with me because of Jesus. And in Jesus, I find a new identity. The strength that I lacked in the old man that was crucified with him, I find in the new man. Because I was raised to life with him when he rose from the dead. And so were you. The reproach of your widowhood, you'll remember no more. And listen to what he says. Verse 8, for the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of her youth when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great love, compassion, I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you. Is God ever angry? When it comes to his children, yes. Yeah, that's what he said. This is God speaking. He says, in overflowing anger, I hid my face from you. Did God hide his face because he didn't want to be seen? No, he hid his face because his presence in that state would have killed man. We know that because nobody can enter into the presence of God in the old covenant under sin and live. 
Couldn't do it. You'd die. Isaiah 61. I just love this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. The day of vengeance of our God. And when Jesus was in the ministry, did he have any vengeance upon people? No, he didn't. The demons cried out, Lord, at least send us into the swine. Have you come to torment us before the time? The vengeance is always directed towards the enemy of our souls. It's always directed there. That's why I always say that God opposes anything that opposes us. An overflowing anger for a moment back in Isaiah 54, I hid my face from you. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Isaiah 54, I mean, I read it all the time. It's like my life chapter, it is. I read it because this chapter in the Old Testament speaks to me. It just speaks to me. We're going to continue reading and you're going to see some things in here where God says he'll never be angry with you, never rebuke you again. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So have I sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed. But my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed. Though your whole world turns to chaos, he said, my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. And then he says, O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in Adam and Eve, and lay your foundations with sapphire. I will make your pinnacles of jasper and ruby, your gates of crystal, and all your wall of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror for it shall not come near you. If anyone stirs up strife, it is not from me. Whoever stirs up strife with you shall fall because of you. Behold, I had created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravenger to destroy. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, declares the Lord. When God appeared to Moses and told him he was going to send them back to liberate the children of Israel, he's going to send them to Egypt, Moses said, well, who do I say sent me? And he said, I am. I used to read that and think, I am. What a strange way to answer Moses. Because if I was Moses and somebody asked me, well, who sent you? Well, I am. It's like the joke, well, who's on first? 
<laughs> you know, I mean, it's tell him that I am sent you. Well, I am who? Well, that's all he told me is that he was. Well, what is he? He's God. I am. It seems like the further you go, like in the spiritual aspect of Christianity, like people want to call God by his original name, whether it's Yahweh or Jehovah, and uh, those are like English pronunciation of those words. It's not even the right pronunciation. When God refers to himself in the old covenant, after he made covenant with Abraham, after Isaac says, if you bless me the way that you bless my father, I'll serve you. After Jacob returns back to the Lord and he names them Israel, every time he appears and says who he is, he says that I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. And as I was thinking about that this morning, I was thinking, in the new covenant, I know that you've given us your name because we've been given the name that is above every name. But when you made covenant with Abraham, you took on his name? Is that right? If he appears and says that I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob, God loved humanity enough that he was willing to take on a human's name. If I'm the God of, mercy is the daughter of, God didn't just love us enough to make a covenant with us. He loved us enough to become one of us. That's the mystery of the gospel, which is hid in Christ, the scripture says. See, the covenant that God made with Abraham, the children of Israel could point back and they had benefits under that covenant. But they didn't have the relationship that Abraham had with God, where God would come down and talk to Abraham face to face. Should we tell Abraham what's going to happen, seeing he's going to become the father of many nations? He didn't have that ability. But the scripture says that if you be in Christ in Galatians, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We get the benefits of Abraham's covenant, but now because of Christ, see, Abraham could bless you naturally, but Jesus could bless you spiritually. Abraham could bless your life while you were on earth. But Jesus could bless your life throughout all eternity. They're not opposite to each other. They work together. But in Christ, the law that was instituted that held us hostage to sin has been destroyed so that the blessing that was upon Abraham can come upon the Gentiles, which is us. That I can believe for full access to everything God is because I have everything that he is living inside of me. If God wouldn't hold back Jesus from me, if God would give me the Holy Spirit, why would he hold back anything else from me? I have this knowledge, but I don't have it in experience. I know that I'm supposed to be able to access all that heaven has, but I've been praying, Lord, teach me. 
because without the Holy Spirit being my teacher, it just remains knowledge. But I want to know you. And I understand why Paul would say to know you in the power of his resurrection. The Apostle Paul had already been in ministry for years. This is towards the end of his life. And he said all his self-righteousness he counted as dung that he may know Christ being found in him. The pursuit of my whole life has become that I may know you because I know you, but I don't know all of you. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know how to do it. I can say that I can, and I can make good confessions all day long, but the reality is what is the state of our heart? The scripture says a heart knows its own bitterness. It means it knows it's where it's at at the time. And God isn't looking for fake confessing Christians. He's looking for people who want to know him. He invited us into the most holy of holies. He's called us high priests. Our forerunner has already went before us and the way is made clear. The path is found in Jesus and righteousness is given to us because of grace. We have the faith of the Son of God and nothing can hinder us from entering in. And that's the place that I know that God has called all of us to. Because the scripture says in James, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without finding fault. That means that even if I did this to myself, that I can ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to me. Why? Because he loves me. Without the wisdom of God, I'm left where he found me in the dunghill. But the scripture says that he takes the poor and the needy out of the dunghill and sets them with princes, even the princes of his people. So if God has called me and I'm laying in a garbage pile, I should know that he's on the way to taking me to seat me with princes even the princes of his people. That means that I don't have to come behind in any good thing because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that made the apostle Paul a great evangelist, the same spirit that was in Jesus when he looked over the multitude of Jerusalem and the smallest text in scripture says Jesus wept. Why'd he weep? Because he loved them. He said, how long have I longed to gather you like a hen does her chick, yet you wouldn't let me. The desire of the Father has always been to bring us in. We have boldness. We have boldness in Christ that we can go to the Father and say, Father, I seen that you said this in Scripture and I haven't experienced it, but I know it's mine. Show me how to access it. Teach me. Because without you, I'm fatherless. And no orphan has ever succeeded in anything of God. He holds all wisdom, all knowledge, all understanding. We were created to love, and it's because he is love that he would express himself to us so freely. Like, what is your heart's desire today? If God was to appear to you like he did to Solomon and say, anything that you ask me, I'll do for you. If he would appear to you and ask you that question, what would you say? Would you ask for possessions? Would you ask for the health of your family? What would you ask for? 
because your heart will tell you where you're at. Is this a condemning message? No. If you feel any condemnation, no. <laughs> what would you ask for? The scripture says that all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. Whatever you would have asked for, I guaranteed you there's a promise attached to it. Because God wants to bless you financially. Our healing was purchased for us 2,000 years ago. It was. I've heard a lot of preachers say that God's not coming back to heal anybody. When people say, Jesus, please heal me, please heal me. The whipping post that he endured was for our healing. Learning to release that healing on a continual basis should be our life's goal. But it's not going to be in the pursuit of healing. It's going to be in the pursuit of Jesus. And in Jesus, we find healing. Learning how to operate in prosperity so we're not only just trying to meet our own needs, but we're meeting the needs of the kingdom of God, where we become financiers of the kingdom of God, should be all of our pursuit. But it's not going to be in the pursuit of finances. It's going to be in the pursuit of Jesus. We're going to find prosperity. But if the enemy can distract us enough to where we start pursuing these things, instead of pursuing Jesus, then what happens, if even if you become rich, you have no better understanding than when you started. And the scripture says that an inheritance getting hastily shall not profit in the end. There's a reason why God continues to lead us down paths where we feel like we just found another path. Like, Lord, I've been traveling this path for like two solid months now. And I got to the end of it, and you show me another path? <laughs> very, very frustrated in the flesh. <laughs> You're like, how in the world did I find another path? And it's like every path that I ever pursued, I was thinking it's going to take me out this way. And I'm going, I'm going, I'm traveling. And then I start coming back, start coming back. and I... <laughs> That's where I started. <laughs> I just did a full circle, Lord. <laughs> oh, but I realized that I'm always in better shape at the end of it because I've been traveling for a while. <laughs> what I wanted to expound a little bit upon is that all the names of God, and God, you know, referred to himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. We come to him in the name of Jesus. God named his son Jesus. He gave him a name that all of us could relate to. And my question was always, God, why in the world didn't you just tell Moses your name? Why didn't you just say, this is my name instead of I am? And it dawned on me this morning when I asked him that question. And he said, do you let your kids call you Steve? And I said, no. And he said, if I would have revealed the fullness of my name beforehand, they would have never called me Father. God wants to be known as Father. See, Father is translated in every language. I mean, it might sound different, but it's Papa, Poppy, Daddy, Father. God revealed to us his name through Jesus, and it was Father. <laughs> Daddy, Papa, 
like I said, when you start getting into the spiritual aspects in Christianity, you get pretty messed up people far out there want to call God by all sorts of names that referred to him. But what did God refer to himself as? Father. Your Father who is in heaven. I call Heather Herm. Heather Rose Maya, initials, Herm. And if uh, she's being nasty, I'll call her Hermie. <laughs> but uh, Faithy tried that one time. Hermie. And I said, no, you don't call mom by that. You call mom, mom. That's her name to you. Her name isn't that to anybody else but you. Dad isn't available for these guys to anybody else but me. That name that God has revealed isn't available to anybody else but us. <laughs> That's good. The scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. He'll direct the desires of your heart. Do you know in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians when the Apostle Paul is writing and he said, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believe all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I want you to replace the word love with God, and we're going to do it. God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast. God is not arrogant or rude. God does not insist on his own way. God is not irritable or resentful. God does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things. God never fails. We know that God is love, and all these attributes of love are God. God is patient, and He's kind. It says that love doesn't insist on its own way. God directs us because He knows which way is best for us. But God didn't create us just to serve Him. Remember, God created us to be loved. The whole reason we were created is because God is love and He was looking for children to give expression to that love. That's why God created us. He didn't create us to serve. Do we find ourselves serving? Yeah. Why? Because we have to? No, because we want to. I want to serve here. I do. I want to serve Mark. I want to serve Val. <laughs> I want to serve here because I love them. And I believe in what they're doing. And like the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Philemon, that when he's talking about Onesimus and Onesimus was a slave that ran off and Paul ended up leading to the Lord and he writes to Philemon and he's telling him to have mercy on Onesimus because Onesimus was coming back to him because he realized it was wrong and Paul said that it's better that Onesimus is with me because he's profitable to my ministry. He's a help. Paul said if he's done you any wrong, charge it to my own account and he said not to mention 
You owe me your own life. Which is Paul saying, without me preaching Christ to you, you wouldn't even be saved right now. And that's how Mark is with me. I have no trouble serving here. I get out of line every once in a while. I need an adjustment, but uh, thank God for grace. Because <laughs> judgment really hurts. <laughs> no, but if we could see anything out of today's message is that we're loved. And Isaiah 54 there, he said, I'll, I'll make an everlasting covenant of love with you. He said, my kindness won't be removed from you. He said, my covenant of peace shall I not take away. There's a scripture that says that in Revelations that our names are engraven on his hand. And I was thinking about that this morning and the only thing I could think about was tattoo and like ink. Instead of seeing tattoo and ink in my mind, I was seeing the blood of Jesus. His blood speaks of better things. We have better promises. Amen. We have promises that were given to us and an honest and pure heart or broken heart, God will not reject. When we bring where we're at to God, he'll meet us there. We don't have to put on some superficial spirituality to come to God. We don't. The beautiful thing is, is that mercy doesn't have to come to me acting like grace. Or faithy don't have to come to me acting like mercy. That even though mercy is seven years older than faith, I'm not expecting faithy to come to me like mercy. Mercy has seven years of knowledge more than her. I can pick up faithy and meet her right where she's at. She rips the doll head off. She's panicking and crying at six years old. If mercy did that at 13, we would have a problem. We would, but we act like God isn't going to meet us where we're at. Like we got to act more spiritual than we really are or try to know more stuff than we really know. Like the days of pretending in Christianity, they're over with because once grace hits your heart, you don't want to pretend. You don't. And grace strengthens us on the inside. And like me and Mark talked about, we joked about, you know, I used to have a bad month a bad week or a bad day or that was a bad hour I don't have any of those anymore I have bad moments it's just a bad moment it doesn't define my day don't don't mess up my week don't even affect my month anymore praise God I just acknowledge Lord I did that with eyes wide open I did that like I yielded to that Wasn't you? (laughs) I thank you for the way of escape. (laughs) Thank you I don't have to stay here. I thank you that your blood speaks of better things and that it cleanses my conscience from dead works so that we're still in fellowship all day long. Amen. You forget it, you move on. Because God will meet us right where we're at. Because we're children. We were created to love. Amen. Lord Jesus, I just thank you. I I want to thank you for the church. I want to thank you for this body. I want to thank you for the preparations that you've already prepared, that you have established us in grace. And you said that you will cause our names to be renowned in all the earth. And we thank you that the only reason why our names would be renowned is because we made yours renowned. 
So we just lift up the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, any obstacles, any hindrances that would try to prohibit this ministry from moving in the direction that you're leading us, we thank you, Father, that they're removed right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that there's a great peace that rests upon this congregation, that there's a calm in each one of our spirits, that we all experience peace right now in the name of Jesus. For your covenant of peace shall you not take away. And we thank you, Father, that in your peace we find wholeness. So we thank you. We thank you for your tender mercies, which are new every morning, and the great grace which you've given us through your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.